You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome to episode 12 of the Little Me Podcast. Remember to head over to Instagram and follow our new Instagram at Little Me Podcast, and you can follow me too at Mark Tuminelli. Okay, so on with today's episode. I am so excited about my guest today. She is legitimately one of the most talented humans walking the earth. She made her Broadway debut in 1987 when she originated the role of young Cosette in the original Broadway cast of the history-making musical Les Miserables. Her performance of Castle on the Cloud on the Broadway cast recording has been heard by millions of people and emulated by theater kids all over the world. She went on to star on Broadway in Saturday Night Fever, Hairspray, Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me, and as Elphaba in the Broadway and National Tour of Wicked. She has countless regional theater credits, including playing Mary in Merrily We Roll Along and Diana in Next to Normal. Her solo album, Beautiful Dreamer, is available everywhere. And up until this past March, she was playing the iconic role of Grizabella in the Broadway National Tour of Cats. Please welcome my buddy, Donna Vavino. Hello, Mark. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. I've been like, you're like my bucket list of people to have on this Uh, podcast. So I'm so excited. I love your podcast. It's great. Well, you are a superstar. Okay. So let's get talking. So before uh, our this insane insanity of COVID-19, you were on tour with the Broadway musical Cats. Uh, how did that all go down? <laughs> how did that go down? Like, how did I get that? Like, no, I mean, the, the closure. Oh, okay. Well, um, it all, it all, it, it, it went up really fast and down really fast because I got a call on December 26th, the day after Christmas from my agent saying, do you want to do cats? Do you want to do the cats tour? The Andy Blank and, you know, the revival. I had been up for the tour about a year earlier. I have a four year old. Um, and I was kind of, uh, um, wonderful Carrie Renee Fuller got the part and I was slightly relieved because I said, I I don't want to go on tour for a whole year. And I had always told my agent, if they need a replacement for six months, have them call. (laughs) And they did. They called him on December 26th. And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And then on December 31st, Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, he wants to, he really wants you to do it. He wants to make for on the 31st. And so we were negotiating over new year's and by January 5th, I was in the rehearsal room contract there. And, and then a week later was in Baltimore on the tour. So, um, so that happened, but I had a week, uh, of in January that they had to give me off because I do a solo show for Disney cruise lines. I have a solo show that I do. And so I left to go on Disney cruise lines in January. And while on that cruise line, they were asking a lot of questions about, are you in China? Because if you've been in China in the past month, you're not allowed on our ship. This was in January. And I said, what is going on? They said, we closed Shanghai Disney. We closed Hong Kong Disney. And I started talking to people on the cruise line and they all really were like, this is, no, this is serious what's happening. And we're, we're nervous in the cruise industry. Disney's nervous in general because Disney, you know, they get on top of their stuff. And so I came back to tour the uh, February 3rd or something after being gone for a week. And I'm looking at everyone like, guys, I think we're going to like close in a month if this doesn't. And they're looking at me like, you're crazy. And I started wearing masks on planes. And then Smart girl. I stopped and they would laugh. One other guy did it. He was in the booth. This 
um, he was like, I'm going to wear the mask too. Cause you know, we're vocal. And I'm also crazy about my voice and it's flu season at the time. So I'm like, I'm going to wear the masks on these planes. And then, and then I even at the end of February said, I'm going to bring my car on tour. I'm not getting on planes anymore. And everyone was still laughing at me on March 20th. And by March 12th, we were closed. And we so were the, the key to that story is listen to Donna Vivino. thing, But also listen to her talk because she knows what's going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can be very dramatic. And I was sort of, um, I was the second oldest person in the cast. Everyone was so young. But I think when you're in your early 20s, you think you're invincible. And, you know, this virus can't. But we did get sick. People wound up very sick in our company. Um, and, uh, and. And I, we still have someone who, you know, is still recovering and he's only 27. So I'm telling you, it's serious guys. So just wear, yes, a, mask. wear a mask, everyone. Um, so <laughs> this is a, this is a big mo. I mean, this is a huge iconic role, you know, playing yeah. Isabella and so fun. memory, which of course I've mm-hmm. heard a bootleg of, and it's so good. <laughs> Uh, how hard was it to leave that, not really having had the experience? Yeah. It was horrible. I, I, first of all, what's so cool about Grisabella was it's this crazy makeup like Elphaba, but I, every cat does their own makeup. So I got to do my own makeup. I was at the theater two hours beforehand and she flies. So I was like, I need to get a third flying role so I can make a trifecta, like Poppins or something, you know, Perfect. but yeah, something like that. So the flying was fun. The role was really fun. And in, 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 the, in the tour production that Andy Blankenbuehler choreographed, he choreographed the Broadway revival as well, um, Grisabella dances in the opening number, <laughs> um, which, and Andy's stuff is challenging. It's yeah. And it's challenging. So I learned it all at rehearsals. I, I really worked very hard. And then um, when I got to the tour, because they rehearsed me for a week in New York, they're like, you'll be fine. And then I get to the tour and the dance captain's like, so... You'll sing, you'll do, and then you're going to walk off stage and then you're going to come back on and do naming of cats. I'm like, got it. I get it. I'm like, my dancing was that. <laughs> but I lost like 10 pounds rehearsing and back on, but it was amazing to dance. And I have to say more of the story, keep dancing kids, just keep doing it. So you're like a better mover. Um, I could have gotten it, but I didn't have enough time. I just mm-hmm. to learn. No, a week is yeah. crazy. How hard is it to be on tour if you have a kid? that's really challenging um you know we a lot of FaceTime and then he did some visits and what was the first three months of tour he would visit me um and then sometimes I would even go home on Mondays if we were like we were in New Haven so I went home that Monday um and then the second the last three because I was only going to do the last six months of the tour the last three months he was going to come on tour with me Uh, Annie but that did never happen and what was crazy was that every time I went on stage to sing memory this is a, uh, starting in February, I would sing it and I would get really emotional because I, I'd always keep thinking like this to be the last time I'm ever singing this song because I really felt like we were going to get, because Disney was shutting stuff down in January. Yeah. I was like, going to be done. And I, and so I would feel that way. And, um, March 12th was our last performance. And, um, I, everyone should always sing as though it's the last time they ever sing a song because I do, I honestly think I've never done better work. I was very connected to it. And Grisabella also is sort of like saying goodbye. So it's a very, was a very weird thing. But March 12th, 1987 was my opening night of Les Mis. And March 12th, 2020 was the closing night of Cats. So it was just a weird, like. Oh my God, that's so strange. Well, speaking of, I love it. Speaking of Les Mis, let's go back. Let's go back to where, did it all start there? Were you performing before you started auditioning for Les Mis? Tell us about the start. I was never a film and TV kid. Yeah not i um no i I saw your imdb you did like a ton of tv stuff yeah 86 87 88 like yeah yeah. it was um in in uh, when i was four years four four four, five years old i was obsessed with uh nickelodeon you can't do that on television it was a canadian show oh i was obsessed with it too i wanted to be on that show i was in love with alistair i just was like i want to be on that show i want to get slimed and i would ask my mom how can i be on tv and she was like well, I don't know. So she took me to a New Jersey-based manager named Shirley Grant. Oh, she's still, they're still she's Shirley still Granting. There. I know, and David. So I was five I was five years old when she took me to Shirley, and Shirley was like, she's super, I was very precocious, and I even sang for her a little bit, 
but she was more into how I understood. I, I would, I loved, like, she taught me how to use, like, use the camera. And I was just really wanted to be on TV. And she said, I can send her out on auditions, but it is a blonde hair, blue eyed world. Like she's so ethnic. Like that's, because I'm wow. Italian and Greek and I have this curly hair and brown eyes. And at the time, so talk about like not being diverse, you know, it was the eighties and they were like, and you were diverse, like in 1980. I know, I know. And she, but she, she also was like, I'm ethnically ambiguous because she was like, you're not, she's not all American white and she's not uh, black or Asian. So it was like very like, I don't know what they're going to do with her. So um, I went out on stuff, no booking or anything. And my mom was like, I'm not doing this. So she stopped. And then I just kept begging. And then I think I was about six and a half years old. We went and got headshots and they were trying to make me pretty. And I was smiling. And at one point, Manning Gurney, the photographer said, just, are you mad right now? I'm like, yeah. He's like, so just be mad. And there was this headshot of me scrunched up. It's somewhere online. And I look like my hair is brushed out, fire starter, Drew Barrymore, but like <laughs> angry face. And that that headshot suddenly got me in for everyone because they were like, what is, what is this creature? Like, what is this? And so, and it, but it was really me. I was very sassy. And I started to become the commercials kid. It was so weird. I, I did, I think, 90 commercials. It was insane. Wow. So many national commercials and not national. Um, and I was, I was never the kid that was smiling and just eating something and not saying anything. I had tons of copy. I was always a character. I was this charactery kid. And then that led to me getting a TV show called Hometown. And and then I um this audition came up for Lemmy's Rob. And she said she should go in because she does sing. And I remember I didn't even want to go in on the audition because I was playing at my Barbies and I didn't want to leave the basement. And she's like, just go sing. So I went in, I sang, and that was it. I didn't hear anything for sure. Do you remember what you sang? I do. I think I think the first audition. I sang Rainbow Connection from the Muppet. Great. Love that. I sang Rainbow Connection. And then they sent me the, then six months later, Tara Rubin casting called and we're like, we're calling her back. And we were like, oh, that thing that we auditioned for. And it was, um, it was, uh, I had to learn Cows on a Cloud. But I had booked a play at Circle in the Square with Annette Benning called Coastal Disturbances. And then the Les Mis, um, the Les Mis thing came in. And I remember at the time I really wanted to do the play because I, I was like, I'm an actress. What do you mean I'm going to sing? You know? Um, and so, uh, but it wound up being the right choice. I think. Um, when I asked Richard J. Alexander about what oh, he remembers, no. I know um, the uh, associate director of Les Mis, when I asked him what he remembered about you coming in that first time, and he's like the hair, the hair, like just blew him away. And then of course you are so talented. And then he also mentioned how he is so impressed by that voice and how it's still so incredible and how brilliant you are and still are and all that. He's too kind. What a lot of other people remember is that Trevor Nunn says to me, Donna, just sweep, sweep the floor. Cause apparently I looked really awkward sweeping. And he's like, like, you know, when, when at home, like when your mommy has you sweep, sweep. And I, and I looked at him, I said, I don't sweep. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, what do you remember about uh, the rehearsal process? Oh, a lot actually. Um, because Trevor Nunn is very ensemble based. Trevor Nunn and John Carrick. Everybody was in the room at all time. I did have to get pulled out with all the other kids. There were five of us we had to go to school for a couple hours a day. So I do remember being in like with Miss Dollar, who was our tutor <laughs> at school. But then if we weren't, we'd be back in the room, even if you're not in the scene. So we just watched all these exercises. We even participated in some of them. Um, and working with Michael Arden two years ago, it was like working with Trevor again. And he's actually studied with Trevor. Like, oh, that's incredible. It's the same thing. Everyone together, even if you're not in the scene, um, it was so cool. I learned a lot. I, I really think I learned in that moment that being in the ensemble, you they all had full fleshed out characters in every scene. Um, it was kind of beautiful. That's all of it. Yeah. Did you have a sense that this was going to be, I know when Les Mis opened, it was not this huge Hamilton experience um, that it really built over that first year. Um, <sighs> when did you know that this was like going to be a really big deal? Well, 
I know when the auditions were happening, I remember Shirley Grant saying, no, this is going to be huge because it's a big hit in London. But people still didn't really know if it would transfer over, you know. Um, And I think it was when we were in Washington, D.C., in the out-of-town tryout, and we saw how the response was from the audience and how everyone was talking about it and ticket prices were getting harder. And it was, there was this buzz that we, we knew that it was something really special. Um, so yeah, I think did, I, you, you mentioned there were five kids in the show, but you mm-hmm. were the main Cosette. How did they decide how that was going to work? There was no rotation then. There weren't all these, um, rules. Uh, yeah. it was, it was me and Les Mis only did seven shows a week, not eight. Um, oh. Because, yeah, only because they were doing construction during the week. Uh, the Schuberts were doing construction right um, next to the Broadway theater or above it. Or well, They were doing construction on the theater while we were in there. And they didn't want Wednesday matinees as a result. So we did, um, we were dark on Sundays and we did Monday through Saturday. It's a sweet schedule. But it's a long show too. So Yeah, and then I, you guys clocked yeah. in at like 3.20 then, right? 3.15, yeah. yeah. So they probably saved a lot in overtime not having that, that Wednesday show. So what happened was, um, I was all, I was doing all seven. I, I was opening night. And so there, there was little Eponine, me, and then there was a swing for the two of us. I did all seven. And then there was Gavroche. He did all seven and his standby about six months in, um, I guess they wanted just, they wanted their cast for six months of like who their opening night. I don't know. I don't know how they decided it. I don't know, but six months in, they then decided that I was going to take two shows off a week because they had to rotate everybody into that's mm. how fresh and I'm a kid. So I took, I had Monday nights off and Saturday matinees. So, um, I didn't have to be at the theater. I called in like on standby cause we lived close enough that I could do that. Um, and so it was cool cause I got to go to everyone's birthday parties on Saturday afternoons. And I also had two days off in a row. So, uh, the other two girls each did, um, it did a show. So, so that, there, yeah, that I did five a week after six months, I did five a week. So there is a very iconic performance at the Macy's Parade where you are kind of the center of the, the performance singing Castle in the Cloud. What do you remember about doing that? I remember it was freezing, truly. It was freezing cold and I got to, I took a picture with Karen Ziemba because I, because I really loved her. She was in this show called Teddy and Alice and I thought she was just amazing. <laughs> I know it's so random. That's such a random memory. It's a random memory, but not when you're little and you look up to someone. I had done a reading with Karen Ziemba shortly before I did Les Mis. And then to see her, she was like, I was like, Karen, oh my, you know, and that was it. I remember that. I remember I was with Calm and Braden Danner. It was the three of us that Mm -hmm. did. And, and we were, I was coldest because little Cosette's not wearing very much. So I was shaking and, it, and we had to get up at like four in the morning and it was dark out. What do you remember about working with that cast? I mean, you have Judy Kuhn, Colin Wilkinson, uh, Randy Graff, Terrence Mann, like Man. there's nothing better. Okay. So we just did, I hosted on my Zoom. It was so exciting. Anthony Crivello, who was Grantaire, the original, mm-hmm. um, started emailing all of us in like April, I think. And was like, we should all do a Zoom get together. And I was like, I have, a, I have like a Zoom pro so I can host all of us. And so Anthony and I, worked together and we got everyone in a room. I mean, almost everybody was there. And so I got to see all of them, even John, uh, even, um, even, um, well, Alain Boublil didn't come, but, um, uh, Jean, um, Jean-Michel, Jean-Michel Schoenberg. Yeah. The, the, our, our composer yeah. was there. Um, John cared. It was pretty cool. And there was Francis, Judy, Randy Graff, Randy. I, Randy, I see we were neighbors in New Jersey for a long time. So I saw her all the time. Um, yeah, it's a Joanna Glushek and I keep working together. Uh, we did hairspray together. So it, it, it was incredible at the time. I mean, I, I think that they assembled such an unbelievable cast. I mean, if you think about all those names, you just said, the it's talent, unbelievable. Sheer talent in there. Um, how did your family adjust to this new life and the new schedule instead of just doing a commercial being done, you know, at the end of that week or whatever, this right. new life of, basically being this kid star of a show? Um, I think I didn't realize what they were having to do. Um, I know that Washington, Washington DC was the hardest because I have two younger brothers and they were with my dad back home and my mom was in Washington DC with me. And that was probably really the hardest. They made me stay in public school. And because we didn't have Wednesday matinees, I never got out of school. (laughs) So I had to go every day. And you know, what's funny. There was another girl in my public school who was in the King and I at the time. 
<laughs> to leave on Wednesdays. Because Unfair. Is, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's, um, or she would, yeah. So long story short, uh, I went to public school. They always said if my grades slip, they're going to pull me out. But I was a, I was a straight A student. I was really into school. Um, I would finish at three o'clock. Uh, from school, they would pick me up. I'd go into the city. I'd often have auditions for commercials still, um, or I was doing jingles. I did so many jingles in the eighties and nineties that it's kind of insane. So I was doing that. And then I would go to the theater. Um, and we didn't bow after those first six months. So I would only on the weekends. So, which is so my parents actually were part of that. A lot of the parents were like, can they go home? Like, why do they have to be here till 11, 15 to bow? And they were like, oh, we don't care. Great. They could let the chaperone go. So I was out. I was done by, you know, nine, nine o'clock, nine 15. And we were out the door and I could be in bed by 10. So that that's good. And then I could get up and go to school. So that, I think that the adjusting really was more about, they were chauffeurs. Yeah. You know, my parents and it was really hard and they had to also, they, I have two younger brothers. So I it's, can't. It's a tricky thing for families to figure out how to make it work. So recording Cast on a Cloud, which now has, you know, obviously been, it's one of the most downloaded and also purchased cast albums of all time. It's a very iconic moment. What do you remember about recording the song? I think it was on my ninth birthday. That's one thing I remember, or like a day or two before, because I was like, it's my birthday. It's going to be my birthday. Um, I remember doing it maybe once or twice. Uh, Robert Billig was conducting. He's still amazing. And around, he conducted Wicked as well on Broadway. Um, I I remember, uh, I mean, you have a whole orchestra there with you in in a huge room and you're recording. Like we were all doing it live kind of together. So incredible. I love you very much. When was the last time you heard it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe around Thanksgiving. I, I usually will post like the Thanksgiving Day Parade throwback Thursday. Um, it's a good throwback. I mean, my throwback Thursdays Thursday. are like really boring. But it's, Thanksgiving is always Thursday, so it's my it's my one year. So I always hear that little piece of it. Um, we were, you know, it's not live. It wasn't. Was it live? No, we sang live. Yeah, you do sing live. I just don't know where the mic was. We, I don't, we, don't sing live now. I don't know what they did in maybe no. I don't actually. I don't think we sang live. I sang along with it, but I don't think I sang live at Macy's. We had to make a so wild because it was a medley. It was like Colm <laughs> did a piece, Braden does a piece, and then Colm Wilkinson did a piece of Bring Him Home. How hard was it to walk away from that experience? I been, I was in the show two and a half years, which is longer than any kid I've ever, I just, it wasn't growing, I guess. I mean, I was so tiny and I had a five inch growth clause. So it took me two and a half years to grow five inches, but I did take a couple leaves. Like I did, you know, commercials sometimes and I did a movie. So, um, it was, I was, think I was ready to walk away. It was hard, but I think I was ready. Um, and, uh, I suddenly like, I think there was this part of me, by the time I left, I was 11 and I really wanted to be playing with my friends after school. Mm. I, I was feeling, I was feeling that way, you know, and then a movie after. When is the David Letterman? When did that happen in the timeline? Oh, that happened when I was seven. So that happened a year before. before. So if if you're, if you're listening, stop everything, go to YouTube and watch Donovan Vito sing on the David Letterman show. I think I pulled it off YouTube, but I have it. It's so good. What was that? What was that? Or something, right? Should I put it on my Instagram TV? Yeah, people need to see it. Um, Tell us about that, and then we'll jump on past famous. There was a there was a concert. uh, No, not a concert. There was a contest, and I wasn't a pageant kid, but there was a contest called the Little Miss Liberty Contest. That I guess my manager was like, "You should do this." It was a it was the bicentennial of U.S. and and so we, I don't know, I went to the, I had to go to Bryant Park and we had to sing and do an interview. And so um, the David Letterman show was like, contacted them and said, can you send us one of the contestants? And um, they sent them me and I sang New York, New York. And I did win the pageant. I'm just going to say. You're a little Miss Liberty. That is your. Yeah. 
and I and I got to keep the I got to keep that whole thing, that whole costume and all of it. So after leaving Les Mis, there was like a big slew of 90 shows that included kids. Secret Garden, Will Rogers, Goodbye Girl, Big. Did you feel like you did not want to go back to Broadway right away? Or it's what? not that. I auditioned for all of them except for Big. I wasn't, so I didn't get it. You know, that, that happens. I mean, I got down to the end for Goodbye Girl and wasn't mine. You know, that's it. And what were the other two that you said? Um, I said uh, Will Rogers, Secret Garden. Those were Secret the ones Garden, that Secret Garden I went in for, but I was no Mary Lennox. I mean, I I, I, I had one audition and I, I, I didn't even get a call back. Like I knew, and I knew Daisy because Daisy had come into Les Mis. She didn't replace me, but she came, she, she came in shortly after and I knew her and I still am friends with her. And I was like, this is, this is Daisy. This, she, this is hers. Like we even knew as kids. Yeah. She's so talented, so talented. And, um, and, and um, I mean, she won a Tony. So... <laughs> Was it hard for you to go back to regular school? I mean, I know you were in regular school the whole time. Was it hard for you not to have that that stardom moment to be on a Broadway stage every night? Or I think I was okay. I think I think that um, I I so shortly after booked a movie that I think it distracted me, and I was in the, I was in this like in Toronto filming with you know some amazing actors. So it was so, like I was in like not Hollywood, but in that headspace. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What was your high school experience like? High school was interesting. High school was cool. I was not, I was barely doing anything anymore in terms of professional work. And I was doing all my high school shows. And later someone was like, how did you do that with equity? I'm like, it was high school. Like, it's fine. You I'll explain it if so, anyone needs any information. DM no, me. People used to ask me. It was often parents of other kids mm -hmm. like how can you do these shows donna but i did um our freshman year of high school we had an amazing our public school fairland high school in new jersey has amazing musicals john jerisi who um he had just started when i got there he is still there he's an incredible educator i just want to give him a shout out and a yeah. director um we did pippin my first year uh and i was leading player that was crazy. I danced a lot and I learned, I started to learn how to dance in high school. That was another thing. I started to learn how to dance. I learned how to do improv because we had an amazing uh, drama teacher who did a whole, all these improv shows with us. I learned a lot in high school, to be honest. I did, I never really had trained. I was a kid doing stuff. And then high school, I, I had great training, great public school. So you came back to Broadway with Saturday Night Fever and then again in Hairspray. Um, tell me what you remember about those two shows. Okay. So when I was graduating high school, um, I had done all the musicals, all the plays. Um, I did a professional show my senior year regionally of high school. Of um, After we did the music, high school musical, I auditioned to do a local production. It was had They had equity contracts, though, of uh, Joseph. So I did the narrator in that. But I was going to Barnard. I was going to Barnard not for theater. I, I was scared. I just didn't, I didn't think that I could make it as an adult for some reason. I just didn't have the confidence anymore. Um, I was almost a little bit, not jaded, but I sort of, as a child, saw how competitive and challenging it was. And I thought, I I have straight A's. I got into a great school. I'll go to school in New York and I'll take like acting, singing and dancing lessons in the city, but I better have something to quote, fall back on. And my sophomore year of college, I got really depressed because I was like, I should have just like applied to Carnegie Mellon. I should have auditioned. I should have gone to school for that. Um should have, could have, what it didn't matter. Looking back, there's no clear path. Some people don't go to college at all for this. Some people go to Juilliard. Some people get their masters. It all worked out. If you have the love, you can find training anywhere and you can keep at it. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, so I stayed at, at Barnard. My senior year of college, I got a call from Telsey Casting um, through a manager. They, they called Shirley Grant and was like, would Donna come audition for something called Camp? It was a movie called Camp. And I got down to the very, very end for that. And that was like my junior year of college. So I was maybe 19 years old. Mm -hmm. I got to the very end for Camp with Michael Gore. And it, I mean, it was crazy. And I didn't get it. And I was heartbroken. And I was like, I'm really not doing this ever. <laughs> and which you should never think that way. But I was in that headspace. And then they called maybe a year later. I was a senior in college. I was an RA. 
I was looking at law schools. I was like, I'll just go be a lawyer. Um, and they called and said, would you come audition to be a pit singer? People don't know what that is. It's you're singing with the orchestra pit. Cats has them as well, booth singers, um, to sweeten the vocals because there's people dancing and being spun around on stage and they can't really get the vocals. So a lot of us were understudies and singing in the booth. So I was a senior in college and I went to this open, it wasn't an open call, but they, Telsey called like everyone that they knew who could sing and anyone that, and I think because I'm Italian and I could cover roles. So I went in and I sang out here on my own from fame, which I had to do for the camp audition. And I'm like, well, I'll just sing that. It's what I have. I had, didn't even have a book really. I just had that song and I booked it and I was a senior in college and I was like, what? So I started to go down. Like I would do classes during the day in college. And then I would take the train down and do um, Saturday night fever at night. I, uh, and then I was like, I really want to do this. I, I don't, I don't want to go to law school. And, and then hairspray happened kind of on the heels of that. No, uh, for two years, I, um, wasn't getting, I got, I got a regional production of Footloose and that was about it. Um, for two years, I was, uh, substitute teaching in Weehawken, New Jersey. I was waiting tables. Um, I was doing readings of anything I could. Um, I auditioned for hairspray 14 times. Oh my God. And then I got in 14, but wicked only once. So right, well, we're getting to wicked. It's coming. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, but we have to talk about, so, and you also covered Tracy. Did you ever, you went on a bunch? I did. I covered, I covered Tracy. Velma Von Tussle. This is, this is that track that Shoshana Bean track. and Lizzie Kritzer, all of us. It's like, you know, uh, and, um, and the female authority figure. Oh my God. On tour, I only covered Tracy because, uh, because I, that's it. I just covered Tracy on tour. I only went on twice because there's a standby for Tracy. I was the ensemble cover. So, you know, the, the odds of me going on were really small. So I think there was a vacation one week and the stage manager's like, I want to put you on twice because I want you to get on. So that was fun. I went on in San Francisco twice. It was amazing. Oh my God. Hairspray at the, at the height of hairspray was like, there was I'm nothing more exciting. Show. Nothing so- more exciting. And that, that is, that is the best company I had ever been in the national, the first national tour. We all opened it together. We worked with Jack and Jerry, for an entire month. Um, it was a magical experience. Best cast ever, that that national touring cast. We all really love each other. Talk to me about Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me, which was your uh, another amazing experience on Broadway for you, which I it saw was, and loved. It was an amazing experience. There's always this heartbreak that went into that because I had been doing the workshops for Legally Blonde for two years, two years as Enid Hoops. And um, I then got this opportunity to perform at Martin Short, even though I knew it was only going to be for three months. And I had to make this heartbreaking decision. And it happens sometimes as actors where it's like, I, I really, you know, I could, you had, I had to be in the San Francisco tryout and I was going to have to miss that if I stayed in Martin Short, but I wanted to work with Martin Short on Broadway. And I did. And I, and I, I, I am so sad that like, you know, we can't, we can't be in two places at once sometimes as actors, but to be so fortunate to have to make those decisions, I can't complain. Martin Short doing that show was unbelievable. It was a dream come true. We, you know, the story of that was that I was in, I was in Hairspray in the women's ensemble dressing room and somebody came in and said, I've been reading the breakdowns, which I don't do, but they were like, I've been reading the breakdowns and they're looking for someone to go into Martin Short and they have to do impersonations and be a good singer. And they were like, you'd be really good for that, Donna. And I was like, what, what is this? And so I emailed my agent. This was a Saturday morning. And he's like, I submitted you. They didn't even call you in. So I, I realized Mark Shaman was the musical director on it. And I did something I had never done. I emailed him between shows on a Saturday. And I said, I'm hearing about this. I don't even know if you know who I am. I'm in your show, Hairspray. I think I'm the person for this job. Oh my God, I love it. I said, I just, I read the breakdown and I think, so he emails me back and he's like, I'm going to try to get you in. Our final callback is Monday though, like final. He's like, but I'm going to try to get you in because this is what I did to Bette Midler. When I heard Barry Manilow was like unavailable. I was like, I think I, you want me now. And so I have to like give it to him. He's the reason why. You know, I went into that that final callback on Monday. There were five other girls there, and I got it. 
And uh, you had to do a ton of impressions in that show. Who was yeah. your, what was your favorite thing to do? And I love hearing you do them. So. Well, my favorite was at the time, Sex and the City was super popular. And I really think that's what got me the job. We, I also could really sing too, because they needed a, like Nicole Parker, I was replacing her. So like, you need to have a really good voice for that track as well. So I think that also gave me an edge because I could sing all the stuff. There's a lot of great comedians, but they don't also sing. And when I did Sarah Jessica Parker, I, I remember like, they all were like the hairs in the back of their neck were sticking up because they were all friends with her. And they were like, wow, no one does Sarah Jessica Parker. And I just, I always used to do her because she's so iconic to me. So I was like, oh, thank you so, so much. I just, honestly, you are the, the you are the loveliest, loveliest, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little it's, Donna, it's so good that <laughs> I have the chills. Like it is, uh, it is an unbelievable impression. You're brilliant. Thank um, you. Okay, we have to get into Alphabet Land or we'll never ever talk sure. about it. Um, before you say anything, your performance in that show was so astonishing. I will never forget it as long as I live. Your pro- you. Also, your No Good Deed is like legendary. And I mean, just watch it on YouTube. Yes. Your, your vocals are so stunning, but you're also such an incredible actress. You could sing all day long, but if you're, if that's not rooted in something. So tell us how Wicked sort of came to you. And I know you had a very long journey with that show. So give me the 411. All right. Well, I started out as an actress, so thank you for that, really. And I did not take voice lessons until I was in my late 20s. It wasn't until doing Hairspray, I started to have some vocal trouble because I was doing eight shows a week. And I was like, why am I losing my voice so much? And I had to really learn... I was just a natural singer, but I didn't really have technique. And I developed a lot of technique, which by the way, is why I was a very healthy alphabet, I feel. And that I was able, when, when alphabet came to me, I was 29 years old and I had just been training for two years with Joan later. So, and, and Aaron Hagen. So I felt very confident going into it vocally. Thank goodness. So how did that happen? I was doing Martin Short. Um, I also was training vocally because I did all these vocal impressions and I didn't want, I had to do Renee Zellweger and that can really hurt your voice. You know, you have to be careful with that stuff. So, um, Paul Dobie, who was the second assistant, um, director on Wicked, uh, we did this fun impersonation of Elphaba I had to do. And I said to him, you know, I can't get in for that show. They won't see me and I want to be in it. I go, can you get me in? Like joking. And he said, you'd be a great Glinda. And I said, no, no, no. I'm an alpha. And he's like, but you're funny. And you have curly hair and you're short, you know, all that kind of. And I said, I know, but I'm an alpha. So Martin Short ended. And I guess um, a couple months later, my agent called and said, all right, Wicked, you know, wants you to come in. Uh, they're going to bring you in for alpha. They can't promise, you know, casting is like, we well, can't promise anything. We're not really sure she's right with part, but they, she was a request because Paul got me in and I got in and I got the, they, they offered me standby on tour um and said that you know standby on tour and I wasn't sure at the time if we were going to take it but my agent had said I think they're going to move you into the role you know after Carmen leaves and they did so so Carmen Cusack left and you took over as Elf of Tour I was her standby mm-hmm. for, um about eight months and then I took over for her yeah and then you got to do it on Broadway for a zillion times. Yes. That was a sweet gig. I, I absolutely, you know, I did the role on tour too long. <laughs> I did it. I did it for my first contract was about a year. It was one year, not nine months, a year. And then they asked me to do another nine months. And I only had a couple, like two weeks off or 10 days between the contracts. And I felt very tired and burnt out on that second contract. And I, I think I needed, I, I don't think they do back to backs anymore. And they've realized. Um, and I was so tired that when, I remember saying, I, I don't want, I was, ter- I was like, I want to stand by on Broadway. I just, that's the job that I want. And I did, I mean, I got, to, I went on for a full month once on Broadway, full month straight. So as far as I'm concerned, I got to do it. And that, you know, on Broadway, I, um, one of the girls, one of our Elfies got super sick and I did it for a full month. And you're, you really put your own stamp on it. How did that come to the role for you? I didn't try to put my own stamp on it. I always say that like, you know, I, I saw Adina do it when it first opened and no one is her. I mean, she is Alphaba, right? And then 
I didn't try to be Adina. I didn't try to be Carmen. However, there will, I always say there will always be a little bit of Carmen Cusack in my alphabet because that was, I was her standby. So I would hear her do it every night and watch her. Of course, I would turn off the monitor sometimes because you don't want to be doing, as an impersonator, I have to be super careful because mm-hmm. sound like her, I also have to pick up on it. So I made sure to always not sing along with her, but just sing it on my own. Um, I went on a lot. I got to go on a lot. And I think, um, I don't know. I think it, it developed over time, you know, that alf- the, the alphabet. By the time I got to New York and was doing it in New York, I, she was me, you know, I mean, there, there was just, there was Donna was in there. It's like, no one is going to be you, you know? So I just, my alphabet is, is a version of me, I think. How scary is that first time you went on? It just feels like the biggest role that no one could possibly be prepared to do, especially if you're swinging in. Um, it was, um, December 26, 2007, believe it or not. I had just started in November on tour. Uh, December 26, 2007, it was, it was a one o'clock matinee and I got called at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It was the day after Christmas we'd head off. And, I'm scared for you right now. And, I, and it was a 20 minute drive. I was still in my hotel room. It was a 20 minute drive to the theater and I had to get, so I had no time to think, which was probably awesome. My first time on, don't remember it. It was a blur. I just did it. Everyone was like, holy moly, that was amazing. Then I had to go on a second time and I was a wreck because at that point I was like, I don't know, even know what I just did. I was, I was much more in my head the second time. And then you start to, you know. How hard is it? That standby position on Broadway seems to be like the hardest because it's not in your muscle of doing it even six times a week to just have, you know, four days off and then do one and then have more time off and do another one. How do you keep yourself sort of up and ready? I, um, I don't know. I, I was on a lot. Like, I love it. Like <laughs> you were, you were teaching a Broadway workshop the whole time and you were constantly green. Like you were on every show. Ever. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, I did one month straight. Um, uh, in February of one year, I did a whole, the entire month of February. It was like four weeks. Um, I mean, it's a tough role. It's a tough role. And if you go, if your voice is even out a little bit, you have to take the time to let it recover. That's part of it. Or we have someone with an ankle injury. Like if somebody's ankle sprain, they're out. Like you can't, you can do your best, but it's also about you're on stage like the whole time. Um, but your question was just like, how do I, when, when I'm not on. Okay. So when I haven't been on a lot, um, you know, I think like two weeks went by once that might've been the longest and you get a little like, Ooh, I'm a little nervous. Um, but I don't know. I kind of just jump in. I, 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 I like this. I love going on mid show. I don't know. I think standing by is so much fun. It's exciting. Now your sister is currently in the national tour of Wicked. And <laughs> yes, I mean, they're, they're of course closed for. Yes, but would be currently on the national tour yeah. of Wicked, but, and they'll come back obviously. But, um, so, and does she have the same track as you? What does she do in the show? She's the standby for Elphaba. That is, <laughs> how wild is that? It's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, but, but not surprising. I mean, she's so, t- she's super young. Um, she's 20, she'll be 24 next month. She's very talented. She, um, I always knew that like she auditioned and I said, you're going to get it. I said that they won't give it to you right away, but you will, you're going to get it. I said, you know, I, I knew she'd be, she's a great standby from what I've been told. Everybody loves her. I'm so proud of her. Um, I haven't seen her do it yet. I, um, I will. That'll that'll happen. Yeah. So, you know, the reason why we know each other is because you've taught at Broadway Workshop and you're such an incredible teacher. And now you have your own program called Journey to Broadway Mm -hmm. um, that's based in New Jersey, but obviously open online now. It's actually like private students. My private students are cool too. I have a student in Hong Kong now. It's so cool, isn't it? We have so many kids that are taking workshops from all over the world now. It's It's amazing. It's It's really special. Talk to me about what how that came about, what you want to do, how much of your focus is on teaching now? Uh, almost focus is on teaching now, which has actually been a blessing because it keeps me creative as well. I learned so much from my students. Um, I have a lot of different teachers. It's not just me. We have a really great, we're more acting based. Um, and we have a lot of really great mini camps going on. I, I, um, I don't know. I think even when I've taught for you guys, I just always find that um, there is something in young performers that it invigorates me to be around them because, uh, especially performers that when you're young, there's so much 
fun. You're having fun and you're playing. It's called a play because you're playing. And I just love seeing that. Sometimes, you know, you, you, I do do this for a living. It's a career and I go to work and I sometimes forget that I also get to play and do what I love. So when I teach, I'm constantly reminded of that's right. That's why we do this for the love of it. And so I don't know if you feel the way I do, but I know like with journey to Broadway, with Broadway workshop, like I feel this duty now <laughs> to like keep the arts alive as much as I can, um, especially among young people. Well, these kids are killing it. Like they're showing up and they're doing the work and they're using this opportunity to train and get better. And there's more access now than ever because all these, it's, it's kind of a really special thing and you have such a great gift to offer. And I'm so glad that you're teaching so much and that kids from all over the world can work with you. Um, But you were kind of, you were teaching on Skype or you were teaching on Zoom before everyone. I, you're right. Um, I have uh, I had some private students. I do an advanced musical theater class, um, and I had some private students as well. And um, you know, Journey to Broadway had started out just as a summer program, but it's going to continue now because why not? And um, and so uh, what happened was I got the national tour, and I told my students there's something called Zoom. If you would like to keep working with me, please work with me. And I had a, a handful of them in January and February, I was teaching him, you know, while on tour. I mean, you really guys just listen to Donna. She'll give you all the information a little bit before. I'm always a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes I hate that I can see what's coming, but yes, I'm, I'm ahead of, I'm often ahead of it. You know, it's it's the alphabet in you. Okay. So it's there. All right. We need to do obsessed and we need to do questions. Donna, your career has been so exciting and you've done so many musicals, obviously so much film and TV, and we're so excited to see what's next for you um, that we get to watch either on stage or on television or somewhere. You are just truly the most special. So thank you so much for sharing some of your story. Okay. So you get to go first with your obsessed before I get to mine. So what is getting you through quarantine? Is there a book, a movie? a television show, a YouTube show, what's happening? I know you don't have time for anything, but. I don't, but um, I was obsessed with Outlander for a little while, which embarrasses me because I'm not into romance novels and I really don't like soap opera stuff, but I love science fiction, has a little bit of that. Um, I am oddly enough, like re-obsessed with the Hamilton cast recording because I'm gearing up for Friday for when they're going to be on um, Disney Plus. Which will be last Friday when you're listening to this, this past Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. It was so good, right guys? Just kidding. Wasn't it amazing? It was amazing. But um, my son loves Hamilton. He is four years old. And um, before even these lockdowns happened, we were listening to it. And my teacher was like, he just said that Britain keeps on me endlessly. And I'm Right. Okay. Um, and he also said Southern mother democratic. And I was like, okay, we have to, we have to like, we got to talk about it. Talk about it. And I tell him those are not nice words. And well, why do they, and then he said, he goes, Southern beep. he says beep. So right. well, listen, I've heard kids I'm say much. Category. I'm also obsessed with like, this is going to sound strange, but like watching people draw live on Instagram. Um, like James Mulligan is an artist for Disney. He's also a former performer and he draws like he just paints like Ariel from Disney and watching him do this it's like so relaxing and so beautiful so check him out on Facebook. I love it all right my obsession this week I talked about last in our last episode but now I want to get official about it it's a tv show called Game Face it's on Hulu it stars uh, a British actress named Roisin Conaty it's the funniest show I have ever seen like in tears so if you're looking for something hilarious Game Face Man. on Hulu it's very British. It's brilliant. And if you don't think it's funny, I don't know what to tell you. I people, am but. looking for funny stuff. What about, I haven't seen Fleabag. Everyone tells me to watch Oh Fleabag. my God. Yeah. So watch Fleabag. I'm also obsessed with British television. Um, I just think they're just doing it better than us lately, but. Uh, often. often. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Are you ready for the Broadway workshop quick fire questions? Ah, okay, this is the list of questions put together by myself and some students at Broadway workshop for you. Just go with the first thing that comes to your mind. Favorite city on tour. San Francisco. Favorite Fiero? <gasps> oh, Kyle Dean Massey. That's fine. Favorite Broadway? Oh, no. First Broadway show you ever saw? Me and my girl. Oh. Um, did you have braces? Yes. And they were plastic ones, like the, not the silver. If you can go back and do one performance of anything you've ever been in in your whole career, what would it be? Next to normal. If you had a yacht, what would you call it? Cassandra. Should all Broadway shows have a turntable? <laughs> yes. 
what would your superhero power be? Oh, um, um, being able to understand every single language in the world, including sign language. Oh, I love that. Um, how many Cosette merchandise things did you have at the height of Lemus? Ooh. Uh, I want to believe you had a coat and a bag and a... <laughs> everything. I mean, everything times two. How about that? And it was you. Um, what store do you shop in the most? Oh, uh, gosh, this is so hard because COVID. What are- I know, non-COVID times. It's, it's like Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> what was your most recent Broadway audition? Ooh, uh, well, I don't know if you count Cats. The no, national- we'll count it. You booked it. Booked and blessed. Yeah. How yeah. hard no, is it? Lies, lies. Nope. It was Music Man. It was Music Man ah. on tape. Music Man. Well, let's hope you get that. Um, okay. <laughs> How hard is it to get the green off? Kind of, kind of hard. It stays in your hairline and mm-hmm. in your, so you can dig, but you get, you have green hairline. Cats or dogs? I love both, but I have a cat. So cat. So we're going cats and you're yeah. wearing cats. Um, yeah. Has the moon lost her memory? I, 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 I think so. I think we're so. Like, yeah. Um, did anyone uh, ever like stand you right next to the Cosette logo and say, this is identical <laughs> No. As a child, I mean, you look just like the logo. I, I kind of do. But that was drawn years ago. That was not. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. What do you want on your bagel? Oh, everything bagel, scooped out, toasted cream cheese. So. Your uh, favorite Margaret Hamilton inflection in your alphabet? Oh, um, uh, during No Good Deed, she crept in. I mean, it wasn't her, but that was creeping in. It was that, um... Um, it's that's all the deeds are. I got it so good. Um, all right, pre-show ritual. Oh, um, are you um listening to music and going for a one-mile run? That's wonderful. Strangest stage door interaction. Uh, someone. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh. Um. Somebody made me. Um. Um what are they called? Rice Krispie Treats, which is awesome. And then followed me home and was like, no, but you have to taste them. Oh, no. Like, you have to, and I was like, uh, listen, I'm really tired. I didn't get, no, but you have to taste it. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to be poisoned. I'm sweating. Guys, if you're listening, don't bring food to the stage door. It's very creepy. Um, we don't, that's not a thing that you should be doing. Okay. And don't follow someone. And, and don't follow them home. Taste it, yeah. Favorite impression in Martin Short? You could do one other than uh, Sir Jessica. I mean, there was also Renee Salwick. <laughs> She's like, I have to tell you something. Oh my God, it's so good. Crazy. Did um, you see Judy? Judy Foster, too. You know, Judy Foster. But uh, Mary oh. Bird did that one, but I loved hers. Yeah, when oh my she God, it's- so well, good. Gentlemen, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can listen to you do that all day. Favorite alphabet you ever saw? Ooh. Julia Murney. Oh. Um, go-to album for a car trip? Go-to album for a car trip. Uh, this is really weird. I have two. It's Tupac or The Bridges of Madison County. And there's no middle ground. Okay, great. Those are those are the two ends of the spectrum, I think. They are. And I'm extre- I'm an extremist. And I, I truly listen to Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pascal like, and Whitney Basher like, Every time I'm in the car. It's the I'm, greatest class album ever made. So that might be why. It's stunning. And that cellist, I always forget her oh. name. And I, it's just Jason Robert Brown. It's just unbelievable. It's perfect. Thank you. It's perfect. Um, you can, can you play that role? Can you sing that soprano? I play that role. I actually, um, uh, theater works, Silicon Valley. I was out. Yes, I can. I'm working on my, I can sing opera now. I'm working Ooh. very, yeah. I want to hear that. You'd be brilliant. I, audition, I auditioned for it, but I got a play instead. But that I was a there you yeah. go. Um, I kind of wasn't ready. I had to keep working. So getting- one show you'll never get over not being cast in. Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> Fine, you should be in that. Best opening night gift. Um. Ooh. The the okay the concept album in French of Les Misérables on a cassette tape was given to us by one of the creative, probably Claude Michel and Alain Boublil. They made cassette tapes for everyone with the demos in French of 
these French singers doing the songs. Oh my God, that's a great gift. Half on a cloud in front. Isn't that the best? That's, yeah. I love that. What role should Patti Lapone play in Hairspray? <laughs> Edna. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> one job you, oh no, we already did that. Um, if you can have dinner with one person, who would it be? Oh, oh my gosh. Alive or dead? It doesn't matter. It's one, anyone. Albert Einstein. All right. I have a crush on him. Um, one word to describe Martin Short. Genius. Weirdest experience as a child star. Um, gosh, I mean, I had, I had a pretty good weirdest experience. Uh, what, uh, first thing comes to my head and I, nothing weird. Is, um, oh, my mother would probably, but um, someone called our house asking for me, a grown man. And she's like, who is it? Because our number, I guess, was listed. We became unlisted after that. <laughs> he had seen me in Les Mis. He goes, I just want to talk to Donna. I was like, absolutely not. Okay. Um, how do you know her? Um, no, I just want to talk to her. Like, I've seen her in the show a million times. My mom was oh, like, hey, Jodie Foster. And, you know, like, it was just bad. So we changed our number. And, yeah. Um, what does your son think of Castle on a Cloud? Oh, he beatboxes to it. My son is an amazing beatboxer. And he he does, like, a hip-hop he thinks he thinks he's in Hamilton so he does it like hip-hop R&B style can so. you name two real housewives okay I'm gonna try but I'm really bad this Ramona yeah and isn't there someone Taylor um I don't think so oh see how bad I am um, there could have been there a Taylor a long time I have to I've no Taylor's jumping out at me and I'm Desiree? <laughs> no. oh, Desiree. okay name one musical you're okay with never seeing again Oh, it's so mean. Um, Jekyll and Hyde. That's fine. Um, if you go, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show for any year, what would it be? I want to see the original Sweeney Todd. Ah, oh, that's a great choice. I think mine would be Mame, but that is such like oh, the, hello, the gayest right? answer ever. But that's what I'd want to see. Yeah. Okay. No one asked me, but I'm just jumping in there. Um, that's what I was thinking when you. Were, okay. So much fun. Okay. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes, Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Sorry. Back, back to Jekyll and Hyde. What? I just, wanted, I was like, I'm gonna just go home and listen to Linda Etter. Yeah, that's the, that's my queen. Okay. What movie uh, could you watch over and over again? Um, this is the weirdest answer, but it's the talented Mr. Ripley. Great. Um, and last question, what is one thing you want people to know about you? Um, that I totally get stage fright and that I am, can be super insecure like anybody else. Doesn't matter how many credits I have or how many, you know, people following me on Instagram or fans, whatever. I totally like uh, can be insecure and have feelings too. And that, um, I'm, I'm human and that, uh, uh, nerves are normal. And, um, and that's just it. Like I, 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 I still, um, work really hard and struggle too. That's what I want to know. That's right. <laughs> um, Donna, tell the people where they can find you and follow you and all that fun oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Donna Vivino, D-O-N-N-A-V-I-V-I-N-O. You can follow me also on Twitter, Donna Vivino. Um, I also have journeytobroadway.com. There we have some classes this summer. Come take a look if you'd like. And uh, that's it, I guess. Oh my God, I love you. Thank you so much you for too. joining Thank me today. You. This was so much fun. It was fun, right? You're so, your yes. story is incredible. And for someone to have this many years in the business and still love it and be hungry for it and excited about yeah. what's coming is really a testament to your, not only talent, but your heart. And Thank you. uh, I think that that comes through in all your performances. And Thank you. we just, I, you know, you have a fan for life here. So Thank you. And July 11th and 12th, Bristol Riverside Theater online. You can get tickets to that concert. I will be singing Memory Live. So, Ooh. And you just did the craziest Defying Gravity. What was that for? <gasps> okay. So my hometown, Fairlawn, New Jersey, uh, Larry Hockman, who's like a multiple Tony Award winner for orchestrations, is also from Fairlawn. And they um, were honoring, it was a performing arts. They were honoring people from the town and performing arts. And they asked us if we would do a couple songs. And uh we chose Smile because that's a song that I love and it had a good message. It's on your album, right? And it's not on my album, oh, but it's sorry. my granddaughter, I love that song. I just thought it was a good message now and we wanted to do a concept. 
song of smiles. So we did that. And then they came back and they were like, Donna, will you please do def- I said, define gravity, like in my bed, like, I don't know. I'm like, I, first of all, I'm like, it's so hard without the whole ensemble saying, look at her. She's wicked because you're holding out yeah. those notes. But I was petrified. And they were like, it's just like, would you? And I'm like, all right. And so I did it right here in my bedroom. And they actually wound up putting images and stuff in it. And I was um, pleasantly surprised because what happened to me was I suddenly remembered what it was like to practice that for the audition. And I remembered what it was like to just sing in my bedroom for fun. And that's my, my new thing now is I'm singing for fun, which is why I'm like working on my soprano and opera and all this stuff. This well, is the- it's a brilliant <laughs> video. Guys, there's no, thank you. There's no time like now, you know? Yes. There's no time like now. Get the things you want. Be nice. Wear a mask. Remember those things. Subscribe to the Little Me podcast. Rate and review it because yes, please it's wonderful. And uh, follow us at Little Me Podcast on Instagram. Donna, thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait to see you on stage again. Me too. <laughs> thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at ThatTuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.